Hello, and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime, Neutral Zone Nation. Say it with me. The best way to describe this guy is my everything. It's, of course, at Eric Delala. Phil, it's great to join you. Just what a, what a wonderful intro. It just makes me happy to be here when I hear the joy in your voice and the really the pride that you yeah. speak about me with. That's nice. I'm very happy as well. And uh, all of Neutral Zone Nation joined in. Steven in the kitchen said it. Uh, Bill in the car said it. Uh, John out on his jog said it. So uh, we're all together here on this show. What about Liz Manis? What about our of female course. audience? Uh, Liz Manis just skips all the way straight ahead to shoutouts. So that's true, which we would not recommend doing. You'll miss some valuable insight and yes. analysis. Uh, we have got a great show in store for everyone today. We are going to be joined by the Hoff, Steve Atwater. We'll get his thoughts on uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame deciding to postpone the enshrinement ceremony until 2021. Eric, I think that this was probably the best decision for everyone involved. Yeah, Phil, you don't want to do this half-heartedly. I mean, these guys that are going in, uh, they deserve the full ceremony, the gold jacket ceremony in person, the enshrinement, the parade, all that goes along with it. I mean, they've dreamed of this for so long, and Steve's waited a really long time, so he'll be okay with one more year, and he's already a Hall of Famer, you know. He knows that he's off, so he just uh, it'll be a little bit longer before he gets his jacket, but he'll be okay. Yeah, and you couldn't have done this uh, enshrinement you couldn't have done that in a virtual setting because, Eric, you and I have been there in Canton many times. There's some magic in the air there. And, you know, when when all these legends are walking around town, it's just magical. And there's something in the air. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, you and I went to a barbecue place there. We walk in and uh, Troy Aikman and Jimmy Johnson are in line trying to get barbecue just like us. That's true. They didn't. Uh, let us go ahead of them. I think we might have been there first, so they didn't try to cut or anything, just normal guys getting some cute. But uh, there definitely is something in the air in Canton because I had an allergic reaction the last time I was there. That's so. true. That is true. You did. Your eyes, um, you, look, you look like uh, Will Smith and Hitch. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, don't normally look like Will Smith. I'm saying your eyes swell shut. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. Um, but no, it's, it's a cool ceremony, especially the enshrinement where you've got fans from all over the country coming in to watch and it drags on a little bit, but it's a, it's cool to see your favorite players giving these speeches and unveil the bust and all that. My favorite part of the weekend is actually when they get their gold jacket because they make, they sort of make this, uh, you know, tunnel, if you will, of just gold jackets on both sides. And then the new uh, Hall of Famer walks through them and then they put on the jacket and it feels real and it's just, it's pretty emotional. But that's not really open to the fans. You know, that's like a special event and so I think it's cool. It's kinda, on TV. It's on TV. You, <laughs> that's true. That's the same thing. But the enshrinement's cool because you can, you can drive there from wherever, you know, people will head out from Denver. Um, especially the G21 will be unique, Phil, because they're going to have the 21 enshrinement on Sunday and the class of 20 enshrinement on Saturday. So Broncos fans can see Steve Atwater Saturday and then Peyton Manning on Sunday. 
that weekend is going to be literally insane. <laughs> that will be the uh, most work we ever do in our entire lives. <laughs> it's fun, though. It's all fun. So uh, we'll have to wait one more year. But anyway, we'll hear from the Hawk, Steve Atwater. And then, uh, Eric, believe it or not, there's only about five weeks to go before training camp starts. So we'll start our countdown to training camp. And uh, for this episode, we'll talk about what a successful sophomore campaign would look like for Drew Locke. Yeah, I mean, what, it has to be MVP, right? That's that's the only option? I would think so, you know, considering, you know, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, I would go ahead and just say MVP. Yeah. MVP otherwise, bust. Yeah, what are we even doing here otherwise? Exactly. Exactly. So we'll get into uh, what a successful sophomore campaign would look like. If you have a comment listening and you want to chime in, just give us a call, 707-NEUTRAL, and uh, leave a voicemail. Eric, you could also uh, write in an email if you don't want to call in. Yeah, you can send an email to neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. And uh, we got an email last week from Joshua Larson. We were talking about trying to come up with – some Hall of Fame type players who have spent their entire career in one location. And uh, we forgot these two guys here, Eric, uh, as Joshua let us know. Larry Fitzgerald. It's a good one. He's a Hoff, future then, Hoff. Uh, recently, Antonio Gates. Yeah. Do we think of Antonio Gates in that same uh, stress here? He's definitely a Hall of Fame. He definitely got it. He yeah. might not be Larry Fitzgerald esque. No, no. And I, I was going to say after we were done recording, I also forgot Eli Manning. Also, mm-hmm. spent his entire career. Is he a Hoff? That's a that's a whole podcast episode. For maybe like a maybe Whoa. like a New York Giants podcast, but probably not you know, this one. Maybe we'll get Peyton on a show, and then we'll uh, we can ask him what he thinks. I think he probably thinks yes. That's <laughs> yes. my guess. He hates that kind of talk. He hates that kind of talk. So anyway, so that's what we have in store. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with the main man, Steve Atwater. It's been too long since uh, we had a chance to catch up. Uh, How you been doing? Yeah, I've been doing pretty good, man. Just, uh, you know, been waiting for this day to come to really find out what's going on with, uh, with the Hall of Fame and uh, trying to get better every day in a few different areas. So, yeah, that's that's it. What was your reaction when you found out that uh, the Hall of Fame deciding to postpone this year's enshrinement ceremony until 2021? You know what? I, I kind of figured they would do that just because uh, we hadn't really been in, in communication with the, with the Hall of Fame and uh, they hadn't sent out the invitations yet. And, you know, time, days kept on passing and passing. And uh, I just thought that you're kind of getting down to the wire uh, in terms of just everyone else, like all the the fans and that who would need to make reservations. And then, you know, there are a lot of Hall of Famers who are up there in age. Uh, you know, I'm one of those guys, too. Uh, and some of those guys, w- I think, won't feel comfortable uh, being out in the crowd like that. And I think that more than anything would probably take away from the event being the event, the enshrinement ceremony, uh, you know, not having everyone there to, you know, be able to celebrate. 
Yeah, and it's it's a special moment. So you're like, hey, let's just wait one more year. Not that big a deal. Is that how you're approaching it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It, you know, it's we're faced with this pandemic right now, and we can't act like it's not here. Uh, and we just got to make smart decisions that, uh, that that benefit the most people. And I think that uh, the, the decision that the Pro Football Hall of Fame made, I think it, I know it was a tough decision to make, but I definitely think it was the right decision uh, really for everyone involved. How did you find out, Steve? Did uh, David Baker call you or what? Yeah, David Baker, he gave me a call, uh, told me that, uh, unfortunately, the enshrinement ceremony is going to be uh, delayed until next year, and we're going to do it along with the 2021 class. Uh, one will be on Saturday, the other will be on Sunday. Up to this point, everything was uh, moving forward as if the ceremony was going to happen. So uh, had you had a chance to check out what your bus was going to look like? Yeah, you know, the bus is, hey, man, it's, all, it's just about done. Uh, went out to Utah. Uh, ben, he's our, our sculptor out there. Man, he did an amazing job with it. Um, got a chance to really sit down, and he and he'd already done a good job from you know getting pictures and the initial sitting when uh, we were out for the Super Bowl. The day after the Super Bowl, we we sat, uh, but uh, he got. You got it even more detailed, got to where it looks even more like me than, than it did at first. Uh, it's just amazing what they can do with clay, and then uh, they're going to bronze that, and uh, it's, it's going to be amazing. Did you go with a big smile, or did you look tough in that? <laughs> Come on, man. Smile on the sash. They got to smile a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I smiled a little bit. It wasn't a big, huge smile, like, ah, yeah, 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 you know, but it's a little bit of a smile. Show my teeth a little bit. So, Steve, uh, you're okay waiting one more year. Uh, it, that should be a special weekend then in 2021. Assuming that a guy like uh, Peyton Manning, he he might get in the next day after you. Oh man, you count on it. <laughs> hey, you can you can make a make a a, a bet on that. That's that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, us both uh, going in at the same time. Uh, though you know, different classes obviously, but. Um, you know, I know he's, he's a superstar, man. He's going to be first ballot, uh, and he's definitely deserving of it. Well, Steve, you've waited a, a long time to get to this point, so what's another year, right? Yeah, yeah, what's another year? And, again, yeah, I, I want to keep everybody safe, and uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great next year. It would have been great this year, but it's going to be even greater next year. How's the speech coming? Well, I'm, man, I'm – Probably 95% done with it. Uh, now we, I got another year. I may go in and tweak it a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, the framework of it is done. And uh, I, would, I would imagine as this year progresses, uh, there will be some new ideas that come to my mind. And it will change a little bit. But uh, I'm glad I got most of it done already. Hey, it's been good catching up with you. I look forward to a football season getting back, and then we can do some analysis and that kind of stuff. Right. Same here, Phil. Appreciate it, man. Looking forward to it, buddy. You're the main man. Come on, Phil. That's you, man. The Hoff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric. That's my conversation with Steve Atwater. Has to wait one more year to get his gold jacket. Uh, he did say, though, that uh, he, has been, uh, he hasn't seen the bronze version of his bust but he has been involved in the process significantly. Yeah, and that's got to be a cool moment, Phil, to kind of 
see that come together. Obviously, we hear a lot of these guys talk about how they, they're not sure how emotional they're going to get. We heard Champ Bailey say that last year before he was enshrined. Um, he got emotional. Like we mentioned before, Phil, the gold jacket ceremony tends to be where these guys really um, kind of have their moment. It starts to feel real. I would be shocked if Steve Atwater is not crying at some point during enshrinement weekend. He's definitely going to be crying. Definitely. Um, the smiling assassin, you know, uh, he had to go with that for his bust. So that, that makes a lot of sense. But Eric, yeah, I think that it's going to be an emotional weekend. And like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, could have Peyton Manning also getting in that same weekend. Yeah. Yeah. He can well, definitely we do that. We will. Yes. Yeah. We're not going to be cooking. We'll let the, we'll let the process play out. But Peyton Manning is going to make it. It will be interesting to see uh, if John Lynch makes it. I mean, he was, he's been a finalist, I think, what, six or seven times now. Um, everyone else who's been a finalist that many times, there's like one guy who's made it to that level who hasn't gotten in besides John. So I think he's due at some point. It would be cool if he's elected in Tampa where the Super Bowl is supposed to be this year. Um, but his time is coming as well. It's just going to be – it'll be a fun weekend. And for Steve – I feel like guys like Steve and Terrell Davis, who are not really sure if their time is ever going to come for this, it means that much more to them. Pete Manning is known for, you know, a decade that he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, probably a decade and a half, you know, and Champ Bailey, I think uh, maybe he wasn't sure if he was going to be a first ballot guy, but he knew he was going into the Hall of Fame. Steve, you know, I think he has said he was at the point where he had to start kind of accepting like this may not happen for him. And so the fact that he was able to get in uh, is really cool. It'll be fun to watch him get to experience all this, this stuff. Hopefully he still talks to us, Phil. I think he will. He's, he's still the main man. He, he's a, yeah. a dear friend to, to the show and to both of us, obviously. But Eric, you know, what's kind of interesting about that is about this whole postponement is that next year, the Cowboys and Steelers will still play the Hall of Fame game. There was maybe some speculation among us that with Peyton Manning going in, it could have been Colts Broncos. Yeah, I love it. I am all for the Steelers and Cowboys playing this game. I think they deserve it. I think uh, they should still get that honor. Uh, it's I'm nice pretty, to play. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that uh, they were set to open up training camp next week. So that's why they had to give this news. Uh, now. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. No, uh, I think from a competitive standpoint, I had started to think about that. You know, would it be fair to make one team start training camp early two out of three years um, for Peyton? They might've just done it, but uh, you know, I'm all for, uh, we'll, we'll still get to go to the enshrinement. We'll still get to go to the gold jacket. We'll be there to cover everything. And we'll do it two weeks later than the Cowboys and Steelers will. And, you know, thinking to what next year could look like, this was already going to be a big class because you had the Centennial yeah. slate also coming in too. So like this was already going to be a big class. And then now you, you add it to next year's class and it's just going to be, you better make sure you get your hotel reservations right now. Exactly. Well, I haven't even seen, have they said that the Centennial class is going to go in on that Saturday or they have they yet to decide what the plan is for that? Cause there's 10 of those guys, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm not sure what their plan is. I would assume that they would want to keep it no, separate from... There's 15, aren't there? I think there's 10 from that class and then five from this year, from the modern. 
like from, from like you've been when you've been Swanson. I thought yeah. they were doing 20 guys because it was the class of 2020. Mm. I'm not 100. Keep, talk, keep talking. I'll look it up. <laughs> that's how we like. Well, that's how we like to do things here on the neutral zone. But uh, yeah, I think that, uh, like we mentioned earlier, good to postpone this thing and make sure that it's safe for everybody. Everybody can be there and just have a good time. Not worry about okay, do you know? Do we need a social distance? How are people going to travel there? And some of the Hall of Famers who are getting inducted, they're uh, to that age where. It is a health factor if they could uh, travel or not. I mean, it's a health factor for everybody, but it, they're uh, in the more jeopardized category. Right. I have confirmed that there are 15 players on the Centennial slate and then five modern era. So 20 people were going on. So two coaches, three contributors, and then 10 senior players. So that could have been where you got the 10 from. Got it. So now next year, there's going to be about 67 people going in. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, 28, right? Because you normally have five modern era players. And then I think next year, I don't know what, how they'll do the order, but you'll either have two seniors and one contributor or two contributors and one senior. Uh, so 28 people will go into the Hall of Fame next year. All I'll say is that hopefully the construction is done there in Canton because they're going to need a new wing for all the new busts. That's true. It's nice. I think David Baker can handle it. <laughs> yes, he can. He can. I'm not worried about David Baker. He can. Uh, he, he loves that weekend. So, anyway, Eric. So that's our, our thoughts there on uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame's decision to postpone this year's enshrinement ceremony to next season. And uh, thank you to Mister Steve Atwater for joining us here on the show, Eric. Now let's uh, transition to this current Broncos team getting set for training camp. This week we learned that, uh, you know, there were some rumors out there maybe that players would return early and uh, do an acclimation type of period to get set for training camp and then have camp begin at the end of July as previously scheduled. This week we learned, no, the players are going to still return on what's uh, supposed to be July 28th. Yeah, Ben, uh, you know, we'll have to see do they get into training camp practice right away? Is there a ramp up period? We know with the collective bargaining agreement that it's going to take a little longer for them to get into pads anyway. There are restrictions on how often they can be in pads. Um, I think people just need to be prepared to be flexible. You know, I, I think that the chances that a training camp as normal happens, you know, are maybe small. You know, you've got to be prepared for, hey, maybe there's 10 days of just lifting or, you know, maybe there's a, a practice every three days or maybe they have to spread out. Maybe they split practices into two sessions. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that can happen. Um, but I think, Phil, we can still talk about kind of what the expectations are for this team and what the normal, you know, still have those same conversations, even if the practices themselves look different. Yeah, I mean, uh, however you want to slice it, the Broncos are going to return to get ready for a season that starts at the beginning of September. So they could do whatever they want with that time. And in my opinion, what they're going to probably most likely end up doing is about two weeks of like soft tissue work where they're just conditioning, weightlifting, maybe doing some stuff without pads. And 
that's the only way they're going to be able to get back into sort of football-ish shape. And then once they get through that part, then they can get into what would normally look like a training camp practice. And so in my opinion, I think that those first two preseason games, they're going to have to go away. There's no way that they could, in just two weeks amount of time, play an actual preseason. Yeah, and, you know, we've seen reports that those could get canceled. And just to give people some context, say you spent those first two weeks doing like you're talking about uh, weightlifting, conditioning, making sure you're back in football shape. That would still give you four full weeks of training camp type practice before you got to a game week. And so that's a little bit shorter than normal, obviously, because you're losing two of those weeks. Um, You're losing two of those games. But I think they're going to find a way to get these guys ready and fill the real concern. And we've seen, we heard Pat Shermer talk about this not too long ago is that I think some of these undrafted guys, some of these guys lower on the roster, they're just going to get fewer reps. They're going to get fewer opportunities to prove themselves. And so I think, uh, you know, Jerry Judy's still going to get the reps. KJ Hamler's still going to get the reps, but does a uh, Levante Bellamy, an undrafted running back, does he get the reps? Does Isang Bassey get the reps? I mean, it seems like they're going to go with the sure guys and get them ready to play week one. And that could just come at the expense of some of these other guys. Cause instead of endless reps and endless playing time in the preseason where that fourth preseason game is all for, you know, guys farther down on the roster, that's not going to exist this year, probably. Yeah. I mean, that is going to hurt them because the Broncos, they just have to get ready to play the Titans, you know? And yeah. so uh, there's not going to be the joint practices. There's probably going to be two less, two fewer preseason games. So uh, that is going to hurt people further on the depth chart just because there's going to be less opportunity to get your name out there, make a play, you know, su- surprise coaches. That's going to be um, those opportunities. They're just going to have to make the most of it whenever they do get that chance because I would imagine two weeks of wait weight training, lifting, what we normally consider the phase one of the hot season program. That'll be like the beginning part of training camp. Then I think they'll probably start to ease their way into maybe some padded practices and then get ready for two preseason games. But, you know, the big thing, and we also heard Pat Schirmer talk about this, is that it's one thing to do it in the classroom like they've been doing this whole off season, but to build that muscle memory and actually when things are flying around and and speeding up out there on the practice field. Can you comprehend the playbook then? And for this Broncos team in particular with young wide receivers, you've got to give those reps to those guys because they need them. Yeah, I think there's a chance you could see kind of like a a mix between phase one and phase two at the same time. Like maybe they're lifting in the morning and then getting on the field in the afternoon for walkthroughs or something. So you're starting to at least drill those uh, plays and reps in, even if it's not at full speed. And that's kind of what we see, you know, last year, the Broncos held their veteran mini camp early, um, after the first week of OTAs, I think. And that was kind of what you saw. So maybe it's some type of mix there where the pads aren't on the first couple of weeks, but you've still got a little bit of time on the field. Um, it was interesting that in addition to these bottom of the roster guys, Petra also said, Normally in OTAs and training camp, you can try a bunch of stuff that, you know, may not work. 
in trying to figure out what does your team do well. He said, this year, you're not going to have that luxury. They're going to have to decide, hey, we're running these, you know, say 20 plays. We're going to do these. We don't have time to try out 15 more that may or may not work. Yeah. You just got to rep the plays that you know you're going to be using out there on the field, you know, from week one or whenever. So um, that is going to be interesting for the Broncos, see how they handle it. We know that Vic Fangio's compared this to uh, the strike seasons. So uh, at least he has some experience in not having a full off season and just knowing how to approach getting ready for the year within a condensed sort of uh, situation. So the Broncos uh, won a playoff game with a second year quarterback that year, I think. They did. It's just kind of interesting. It is kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Makes you think a little bit. Let's go ahead and just dive into this. So we begin our look at uh, some questions facing the Broncos. Questions that need answers as we head into training camp five weeks out now. And let's start with uh, what we think would be a successful second season for Drew Locke. Yeah, are we talking uh, we talking baseline numbers here, Phil? Are we talking best case scenario or just something that if I said, if this happened, I'd be like, wow, that was a really good season from Drew Locke. I think what, yeah, I think the last thing you just mentioned, oh. just, if it happens, you'd say you'd look back uh, come January, February, whenever it ends up being the end of the season and saying that was a really good year for Drew. Yeah. Well, well first let me say, I don't think there's any way he's going to be worse than he was last year. Uh, um, I think that baseline is pretty good. And, you know, extrapolated across a 16-game season, that's nearly 3,300 yards. It's more than 22 touchdowns. It's nine picks. Uh, I don't think he's going to be worse than that. Um, And so that's a good starting point. I mean, that's better than the Broncos have had in quite a while in terms of who their starter is. So that's a good place to start. Um, I would say, Phil, there are only – there are about – 17 quarterbacks last year that threw for more than 3,500 yards and 11 who threw for more than 4,000. I don't think it's ridiculous to say that he could approach the 4,000 yard mark because that's about 250 yards per game. Um, If he threw more than, if he threw 27 touchdowns, I'd be like, this guy's really good. You know, that's not going to win him an MVP to throw 4,000 yards and 27 touchdowns, but I mean, I'd be really happy with that. And then if the, if the picks can stay below, let's say 15, that would be a number that I'd be happy with. So 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 15 picks. I think you probably win a lot of ball games that, that way. I think you have no question that he's the guy moving forward is your franchise guy. Um, I, feel, I don't know about you. I do think there's a chance that he just explodes and is really, really good. I mean, I don't think it's the most likely thing in the world, but it's not impossible, right? I mean, no one was saying that Mahomes could do that. No one was saying that Lamar Jackson was going to be that good. Yeah, let's uh, – I mean, there's no question that the hype train is in full speed heading toward the start of 2020 for Drew Lodge. And it's not just uh, you and me conducting this thing. It's a lot of local media here in Colorado and nationally, a lot of analysts, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, people who – you know, are on the radio a lot talking about this guy. They're all on board with Drew Locke. And one of the reasons why I think is that because we've seen second-year quarterbacks really 
come on and, and, you know, take the leap by storm. And let's just give you some of the numbers here on what some other second-year quarterbacks did. In 2017, Carson Wentz had 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. He was uh, 11 and two before getting hurt at the end of that year. And of course, the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl. So uh, Carson Wentz did it his second year. Then the next season, 2018, Patrick Mahomes just went crazy. 50 touchdowns, only 12 interceptions. Uh, The Chiefs made it all the way to the AFC Championship game. But obviously, a tremendous year. He won the MVP. And then the next season, last year, 2019, Lamar Jackson, in his second season, he threw for 36 touchdowns and just six interceptions. The Ravens, the number one seed in the AFC, uh, they got upset in their first playoff game, but Lamar Jackson took the lead by storm. So now it's just natural to wonder, Who's that guy going to be this year? Is it going to be Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, or Drew Locke? And I think that's one reason why the hype is so high. The other reason is because of what the Broncos did this offseason. They've really beefed up the offense. And I think uh, there's a lot of excitement around what, what they think could happen. So you put those two things together. You It's the offseason. There's not much else to talk about. And you get really excited. So, well, and part of the reason that they're those two guys have won MVPs. I mean, Mahomes threw for fifty touchdowns, so that's why he won. But the league likes new MVPs. They like voters like something new, something shiny. You know, like there's a. You could argue that Pete Manning should have won more than five MVP awards during his career. You could argue that John Elway should have won more. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yes, you you give it to him every year. Well, but I mean, I think all these leagues have, you know, LeBron has won it, what, four or five times in the NBA. But he could win it every year. Yeah. Right. And there's a, for whatever reason, there's just a natural tendency to not give it to the same guy every year. And so if Drew Locke or Kyler Murray surge onto the scene and they, you know, throw 35 touchdowns, if they throw for 4,500 yards, if they uh, lead their team to a division title, I mean, that's, that's probably enough. You know, in this year, it'll be a little different because I think, Phil, the media is waiting for Tom Brady to take this Buccaneers team to a division title. And if he plays well, I think he's got an MVP. You know, people want him to win MVP this year. Like, it's all set up for that. And so some stuff would still have to go lock or Kyler Murray's way. But I'll be watching to see how those guys do head to head because, you know, Dwayne Haskins, it sounds like is already in danger of losing that job. Uh, Daniel Jones. I think his team probably just isn't set up as well for success. Um, so really it could be Locke or Murray in terms of who's that best second-year quarterback. And even if he's not the best one, you look at guys like like Sam Darnold last year was not as good as Lamar Jackson, but he still had a winning record as a starter. He threw for 3,000 yards in 13 games, I think. You know, he threw for 20 touchdowns. I mean, those are still decent enough numbers that show progression. Yeah, and I think, you know, ultimately, and this is what we heard Pat Shermer, that must have been a crazy press conference because that's all we talk about. But Pat Shermer did say, ultimately, you judge a quarterback based off of wins and losses. And so Drew helped his team win four of the last five games last year. And so 
I think that if you want to look at last season and, and apply it to this year, you know, there's reason for optimism. And I think that, uh, you know, do I think that that means that they're going to win four out of every five games? I mean, that would be tremendous, but unlikely. So, um, you know, I think that maybe if the Broncos were able to win 10, 11 games and get into the playoffs, that would be a successful year, despite any of his numbers. If he ultimately helped lead this team to the playoffs, that would be a successful season. And then numbers-wise, I think, yeah, you know, if he could throw like something like 25 touchdowns or somewhere in that, in that range, I think that would be successful. And more than that, just being able to limit interceptions while also staying aggressive, finding that balance. I think that, you know, that would be a successful season. If, if, if Locke could just show progress, show that he's taken that step. We've seen how hard he's worked this offseason. He said all the right things. He's got the team, his, his uh, teammates together for workouts. He's shown that leadership. Now if he can have that translate to the field and show that he's taken the next step, that would be success because that would be a success for me at least. Because yeah. one of the reasons why I think that people are so happy this offseason is that they feel like they have their quarterback in the future. You know, they, they feel that optimism that this big question mark that's been around the team for the last four years is sort of gone. And so if Drew goes out there and proves that, yes, I am the quarterback of the future here, this is my team. If he goes out and shows that over the course of an entire season, no matter what else happens, that would be successful. Yeah, and, and here's another way to put that, Phil. I'm saying the exact same thing here, but the last few years, it's felt like, can this team win in spite of the quarterback? And John always said that. He said he said that at this his end of year press conference that we built a team that could try to win on defense and just hold on on offense. And Drew, I thought, showed last year already, he is good enough to not lose you games. He's competent. He's, you know replacement level. I think we saw that. And so now the next step is, can he prove he's good enough to win you games? We talk all the time, Phil, about you look at quarterback matchups, who has the better quarterback, you know, is, is Ryan Tannehill or Drew Locke better? Is Ben Roethlisberger or Drew Locke better? For the first time in a while, I feel like you could look at the Broncos schedule and, you know, maybe you're getting closer to that 50-50 split of, well, if Locke takes that next step, he's going to be better than Ryan Tannehill. He's going to be better than whoever else. I mean, those are big things to ask, but I think what you ultimately want from your franchise guy is that you can week to week say, we've got a chance because we have Drew Locke. You know, I mean, that's what a lot of these teams with franchise, that's what these teams with franchise quarterbacks, that's what they can say. And so this team is set up for success because of the young talent on wide receiver, at tight end, at running back, the offensive line seems decent. But it's all just a huge question mark until we see what Drew can do. And, and if he's average, I think this team can still win eight, nine games just based on the rest of the talent on offense and defense. But if Drew takes that step and becomes really good, if he becomes a guy that wins you games week to week, then Phil, you're in that conversation of 11 games and maybe something breaks right and you win 12 games. And then all of a sudden he is in those conversations for those awards. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, if you look at the NFL, the margin between wins and losses is so thin except for teams that have those quarterbacks, because those teams no. that have quarterbacks, not everything has to go right for them. You can, like you saw the Chiefs, they fall behind early, but then they can get back into games and win them. 
not everything has to go right. And for so long, it felt like for the Broncos, they had to almost play a perfect game. And, you know, to be fair, at the end of last season, a lot of things did go right for the Broncos. I mean, uh, it wasn't just that they went, like Drew Locke went out there and they won four games real easily. I mean, that Raiders game was really narrow. Uh, the Broncos were trailing heading into the fourth quarter against the Lions. So it wasn't like yeah. they just went out there and whooped up on everybody. So they won one game by like a comfortable margin. Exactly. Exactly. But that was the that was the game where if Drew Locke is that version of Drew Locke every week, you're gonna win games like that. Not all the time. You're still gonna have losses and you're still gonna have close games, but you're gonna win you're gonna win against teams you should win against. Yes. And, and then you'll beat a few teams that maybe you shouldn't have. Yeah. And I would just caution people as we talk about Drew. If Drew goes out week one and throws one touchdown and two picks and the Broncos lose, it doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. And if he goes out and he throws three touchdowns and the Broncos win, that doesn't mean he's the next John Elway. We still will have only seen six games at that point and kind of the hype train is rolling and I'm I'm on it, Phil, like you are. But, you know, I think at the end of next season, we'll have enough to say, hey, this guy is – we're going to keep moving forward uh, with this guy full steam ahead, or we've got to reevaluate. But, you know, we just, we need more games to see that. Exactly. And I think that the Broncos have done everything that they possibly could have done to help ensure success here for Drew Locke. They've given him a lot of weapons. Um, as we'll talk about later, getting closer to camp, there maybe are a few question marks about the offensive line. But uh, for the most part, this offense, there's a lot of talent and it's Drew Locke's job to make sure that it all comes together. So I, I agree with you though. There needs to be a little bit of caution here because optimism is never higher than in the months of July, July and August really. And, you know, we were on this show last year talking about how if things go right and the team plays well, Joe Flacco can help lead this team to the playoffs. And then the year before that, we were talking about, Oh, Hey, Case Keenum, you know, he did it in Minnesota, and this isn't a fluke, you know, and he's got the talent here to help get this team to the playoffs. Yeah, we've, I, I do. We've yeah, said those I, things the last two years, but I will say this does feel a little bit different just because you've got this young quarterback who's on, on the ascension of his career, you know, yeah. and we, we assume that he's going to continue to get better, and we saw things from him last year that indicate that he's got a strong arm. He's got command of the huddle. He's shown to learn from his mistakes. He's a leader out there. All of these qualities that you think are only going to get better. Yeah. And one, like what do you expect us to do other than try to be a little bit positive? But I think with Keenum, you were like, can he replicate this in a new system with different talent that to be quite frank, probably wasn't as good as the defense he was playing with in Minnesota or the receivers he was playing with in Minnesota. And the Broncos did have some close games there, but ultimately I felt, you know, we talked about going into that season, Keenum can be better, but is you were still probably going to win. Like Keenum was not going to be the better quarterback in a lot of those matchups with Flacco. What we talked about was he, can be good if he stays healthy. And there were times in those first eight games, you know, he played well enough to win against the Bears, against the uh, Jaguars, against the Colts. You know, so you could have been looking at a different season there, but again, he didn't stay healthy, which was the big qualifier. 
And now for Drew, the qualifier is, well, can he take that next step? But even if he doesn't, and he is exactly what he was last year, I still feel like you're going to be in that eight and eight range. And then if a game or two goes the right way, you're in contention. And so to me, that's where it's a little different. And the fact, Phil, that we have some results with this team to show you that it's possible. I mean, Keenum and Flacco, you're projecting entirely. Drew, you saw him win four out of five games. Yeah, and and this team has legitimate weapons. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of talent here, and that's just because you've you've had good draft classes. You've brought in some good quality free agents, and you know you've stacked these things to make sure that you know where the team overall was a few years ago. It's way ahead of it now, just based off of the moves that they've been able to make the past several off seasons. So. Overall, I mean, this team should be in the playoff hunt all the way until the end of the season. So, yeah, yeah I mean, if you took a, it's a, it was a ridiculous question to some degree that we got for the mailbag this week of how this team compares talent wise to the 2013 offense. But I do think if you took Pete Manning and you put him, prime Pete Manning, and you put him at quarterback, Sutton and Judy and Noah Fant and Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Those are talented enough guys that this would be a top five offense. And that's hard to do just because, you know, like uh, Peyton makes everybody so much better. So right, but that's what I'm saying. Is that like with this crew, it's a good enough crew that you could be really good. Yeah. Yeah. So the, again, it all comes down to what Drew Locke does. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Call us, uh, leave a voicemail at 707 Neutral. Let us know what you think there. Uh, if you have opinion, everybody has an opinion on Drew Lock. So let's hear it. Let's yeah, just exactly. hear it. Okay. Uh, send us a, a, an email at neutralzoneshow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter and we'll bring it. We'll, uh, we'll give your handle some pub. It's at Eric Galala. It's a little bit strange. It's with an A, I know. But hit him up on Twitter. Hit me up on Twitter at Phil Milani. Also weird with a PH. So. It's a little bit, little bit different there, but yeah, that doesn't make much sense, does it? <laughs> uh, Eric, it's that time of the show though where we like to do something called shoutouts. Love shoutouts. Well, shout out Liz Manis to start. Obviously, we kind of already got to that one a little bit, so we won't. And she got a lot of a shout out last week, so we won't take too much of a uh, of our time here. Yeah, but we also we just got to say shout out as manus. I believe that the Broncos are uh, uh, collecting food uh, and boxing it up uh, for the food bank of the Rockies. Uh, they're doing that this week. Uh, a lot of staff, including yours truly, is going to be out there helping out. So uh, uh, the community never stops. Shout out to Liz Manis there. I think that is going to do it for this edition of the Neutral Zone. We'll be back next week with more of our countdown to camp but until then for eric i'm phil milani you've been listening to the neutral zone